Good morning. Got my mic on today. First thing, we ready to go. Everybody have a good week? Yeah? Yeah? Anybody have a crazy week? Me and you. Me and you. I had a crazy week as well. Uh, but that's okay. We have those. We have those. Um, so in, in light of that, right now before we get started, um, I want to take just a minute and pray. Um, but before we pray, I want to take just a few seconds of silence to just quiet our hearts, quiet our soul. We go, we go, we go, and sometimes Sunday is the most hectic day of the week. Like you're getting everything together and you get here and y'all know what I'm saying. Like sometimes it's crazy, Um, but we're here for a purpose. We want to hear from God today, right? So let's take a minute and just try to chill out for a second and not worry about what we're going to eat, not worry about all the junk that happened this week or the stuff that we know is in front of us. And let's just beg God to speak to us today. Let's pray. God, you are the God of crazy weeks. God, you are the God that helps us in time of tribulation and worry and sickness. God, you are there for your believers in the good and the terrible. God, we thank you for allowing us to gather today. God, to open up your word. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to do the the hardest thing, and that's apply it to our life. God, your word gives life. Lord, and we need that. Lord, we're all here with different needs and wants and desires and hopes. God, we proclaim that you know what's best for us. God, and we beg that you would bless us with what you know we need today and help us to accept that blessing. Lord, speak to us. Give us ears to hear. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so back in James, back in James, uh, did anybody, has anybody read ahead? Has anybody like been in the series here and like, well, let's just, we know where we're going to be at. Anybody read ahead? No, that's okay. Um, that is fine. But I want to, um, well, I wanted to give you all an update on Scott um, before we get started. Uh, Scott is doing better, as best as Scott can, I guess. Uh, we all know how Scott is, um, and he's doing as best as he can. Uh, he hated that he couldn't be here today. Uh, he wanted to be here. He actually tested negative yesterday, but thought that it would be best uh, safety for everyone if he just held back off for a week. I know he's chomping at the bit to get back over here, see you guys, and get back up here on stage to share God's word with you. Uh, but he is doing okay. Uh, so 
Uh, do continue to pray for Franklin. He's, he's in the midst of a fight right now. Uh, so um, throughout today, your meal, pray. Uh, God's a whole lot bigger uh, than pneumonia or COVID or anything like that. So, but do pray. Um, so, James, I'm going to spoil a little bit of what Scott may be getting into, because I don't know what he's doing. But I'm going to give you a little bit of a breakdown of James. You'll see, it's just five chapters, but there's a reoccurring theme. There's a reoccurring thing that James says. That's one of the reasons why I love James so much, is because he just like, he makes it simple. He just says it again and again, like that way we can get it. Um, but he addresses uh, a big issue, and we're going to get into some of that today. Um, and, um, and some of it, some of it might be a little bit hard to understand uh, if God doesn't make it clear to you. Um, certainly, come up to me afterwards and ask some questions if, if need be, um, or or somebody that call Scott, um, anybody that you trust. Uh, with discerning the word. Um, but that reoccurring theme, I think, centers on two words. And we talked about it some last week, and we're going we're gonna to expound on it some more today. Um, but James is imploring us to do things in word and in deed. In word and in deed. Uh, as, as Scott preached uh, the week before, um, last week, in, in 123, he says, For if anyone that is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. I'm sure Scott explained all that well. James is saying, don't be just a hearer, but be a doer. Don't just come to church and hear the word and not do anything with it. And last week we looked, and he, he goes through and he's talking about um, having showing favoritism uh, and things like that, and he, and he talks about how that has no place in the believer's heart or in the church. Um, and in verse 12 he says, So speak, and so do, as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. And we looked into what that means. So speak, and so do. My fear, and we all know this to be true, is that church, not new life, possibly new life, but church as a whole. There's churches, you can't go down the road without running into a church around here. And I think that's a good thing. But church, in a lot of ways, has become ineffective. Now we know that. We don't want to admit it. And sadly, a lot of times we don't want to do anything about it. We're okay to come. We'll block off an hour or two, maybe three, I don't know, on Sunday. 
And we'll come and we'll say the right things and we'll walk in here and hello brother, hello sister. How was your week? Oh, it was great. And really it probably wasn't. Um, How you doing? I'm doing good when you got something just troubling you. It's just weighing heavy on you. So we come in here and we put on our church face and we pull out of our back pocket and put in our mouth our church words. And we just go on through life and we, we come in and we say the right things. But what do we do is the question. Now, we could, we could just sit down here and everybody would have an opinion when I say, you know what, the world is getting crazy out there. I get a lot of amens, like, yes it is, yes it is. Well, why? It's because the church has been effective for, ineffective for so long. You see, if we believe what God says here, the church, the people of God, the people that God's Spirit resides in, has the power to change the world. Do y'all believe that? Yeah, we'll say that. Hold on, we'll say that. We'll say the right things. Yes, God and His power through His church has the power to change the world. Well, why does it look like it does? Because we're too busy saying the right things and not doing them. We are hearers of the Word. We come in here every week and we hear the Word of God. And we'll say amen and we'll be yes, that's right. And then we'll go get in our cars and we'll go back to our our crazy lives and do nothing with what we heard. We are hearers and not doers. We are speakers, but not doers. That's why the world is so crazy. God wants to pour out blessing on your life, on this community, on this state, this country, on the world. But we are just saying the right thing. You will notice as you progress through James that that thought never leaves. The fact that believers are hearers and not doers has been around as long as the church. That is why James is addressing it. Ephesians tells us there, or not Ephesians, Ecclesiastes tells us that there's no new thing under the sun. And that's, I, that's true. There is no new sin. There is no more wicked heart of man. There are no new ways that, that church people will try to take the easy way out. It's been going on forever. We have God's Word, but we still have the same problems. Is God the problem? No. That's foolish. So the problem must be us. (laughs) 
the man in the mirror. You go back and look at what he said just a few passages before. It's like a man who looks in the mirror, sees his face, he walks away and forgets about it. That's a problem, church. And here's the thing. For some reason, God has us all here today to hear that word. You need to ask yourself right now, before we go any further, am I willing to do something about it? Because if you don't, you are exactly what we just admitted the problem is. Right? That is the introduction. Let's get into Scripture. Turn with me to James. Uh, We're going to pick back up in verse 14. We're in chapter 2. says this, what does it profit, my brethren? Here he is again. He's like, he's always saying my brothers, my sisters, my, my people. What does it profit? Okay, so he's posed a question for us. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone, key word here, says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith? He says he's a believer. She says she's a believer. She knows God. He knows God. I have the faith. They say that, but does not have works. Now, my version says, can faith save him? Some of the newer translations I agree with a little bit more, and it says, can that faith save him? And he's asking his people this question, and and I pose it to you, my brethren. What does it profit if someone says that he has faith, but does not have works? There's nothing there to prove it. Can that faith that he says or she says they have, they say they have, can that Faith be a saving faith. I say I love God. I say I believe God. I say that He's the Lord of my life, but my life looks nothing like Him or what His Word teaches. James is wanting to know. He goes on further. He's about to start making his point here. So he says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, they don't have anything. They are without life's necessities. Food and clothing. Anybody ever come across somebody like that? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what 
does it profit? See, just like last week, James gives a situation where a man comes into the church. He's dressed nice. You can tell that he is blessed with a lot of material things. And you show favoritism, you put him in the good spot. And the poor man, he comes in and you put him here, sit at my old stinky feet. This is your spot. Thanks for coming. He gives another example here. If someone comes to you or into this church and they have a legitimate need, they do not have food, they do not have clothing, and they say, I'm in need, I do not have food and clothing. And you say, well, I wish you the best with that. I'll pray that God will meet that need for you. You know what? I'm even going to, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to call and tell my pastor that you're going to call him. And I'm going to give you his number. Be warm. Be filled. And bless you, brother. What profit is that? That's what James is saying. And we know there's no profit to that. None. You did this person absolutely no good. You wasted their time and yours. There's no profit to that. Because, just like we talked last week, we're, we're all pretty blessed. We could, we could get a Target gift card. And give this brother or sister. And we could, we could get them some food. And it probably wouldn't affect us too much. But we choose to pray for them. What profit is it? He goes on. In verse 17, it says, Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, I think we have to address a little bit of an issue that is within the church and within certain religions, certainly, but even the Protestant, the evangelical religion. Is you see, a lot of us think that our works, if we do things, if we go to church, if we, if we, you know, if we do pray for people, that that equals salvation, and that's just not true. God is not impressed with you being here in itself. The fact that you got up on a day when you could have slept and you got in the car and you drove in and you walked in these doors to listen to me by itself does not impress God. If you give money to charity, if you tithe to this church, that in itself does not impress God. You see, 
in the church, and a lot of times we try to take the easy way out. It's easier for us to go to church and do church things and say church things than it is to surrender our life to God. That is proven by the Pharisees. They had over 600 laws that they kept to a T. They worked hard at keeping those laws. And they said that it was for the faith. It was for God. They thought that they could work themselves to God. And let me tell you something, church. I don't know where you're at, but that is not possible. There's nothing in you good enough that you could work yourself to a holy God. Okay? I think we should at least read this verse. I need a bigger thing up here. If y'all bring me back, I need, I need an extra one of these. I just need like one more. I need a place to sit. I need a shelf. Um, what verse were we going to look at? Here we go. Ephesians. So, so if we can't work to, to get to God, if God is not impressed by our works, how do we get to God? Ephesians 2.8. Most of us here, we know the verse. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We've got to put first things first. The only way we can come to God is if God calls us and shows grace to us. Because there's nothing great about us. There's nothing even really good about us apart from God. But still, we will feel just like the Pharisees and all these people who work so hard thinking that it would get them to God. We think that if we'll come to new life every week and if we'll serve in this area and that area, if we do that, that's good enough. Well, if the faith is not in our heart and we have not received God's grace and, and God, Jesus Christ is not Lord, those works mean nothing before that is settled. Okay? That's God's truth. We can't work our way into God's favor. So is, is, does that go against what James is saying? No. So, so in me saying that, it almost sounds like I'm saying works aren't important. That's not the case. Works are extremely important. That's the point that James is making here. Works are an extension of true faith. And to go a step further, if you are a believer, or you say the things that believers say, and you go to the places that believers go, and you say these things, but there are no works, there's no works of the Spirit, there's no fruit in your life, there's, there's no good things flowing from you, 
I think James is, is throwing up the caution flag and saying, here guys, is that true saving faith? It's something, something to consider. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And let me tell you something, church. If you have dead faith, you're not a believer. And all these good things that we get up here and talk about, about how good God is, and the things that await, and all the great things that we just sang about, there ain't going to be no flying away for you. Now that's hard. And we don't like to hear that. And it sounds like I'm being mean. But I'm loving you enough to tell you that you need to examine yourself. You can't work hard enough. And I love you enough to tell you that. James loves you enough to tell you that. God loves you enough to tell you that. What are you putting your faith in? We noted that, that in Matthew, Jesus, he ends the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, many of you will come and say, Lord, Lord, look at what I did. Look at what I did in your name, Jesus. And he's going to say, depart. I don't know you. You were doing works without faith. Let's move on in Scripture. Verse 18. But someone will say, so we've got a little conversation, a little dialogue about to start here. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Separating the two. You've got faith. You say you've got faith and, and you have a strong faith and, and your faith is awesome. But I have works. I don't really have that much faith, but I have works. I have works. And he goes on and he says this to these people in this conversation. He says, show me your faith without your works. Can that be done? That's the point that he's making here. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You see, our works, the things that we do, the way that we serve God, the way, see, God blesses us in certain ways, and the way that we pour that back to Him and into other people is the result of our faith. The faith comes first, and then the works naturally flow out of it. They have to. And you have to ask yourself, if I don't have works, that could be a long list of things and we don't have time to get into it. But if I don't have those things, if aside from coming and sitting here, there's nothing in my life that screams God, Jesus is good, the gospel you have no works. And James is saying your faith is dead. And you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
Listen as he goes deeper. He goes on and says, you believe that there is one God. You do well to believe that. So you say, I have faith. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe that. And I would go a step further and say that they believe it more than you do. Why? Because of the next verse. It says, and they tremble. Church, do you tremble? Because you know there is a one God that is over all this. They believe. Now, they don't get to heaven because they believe. They, they know. They believe deep down in here. Yes, there's a God. Yes, Jesus is real. I was there. I saw what he did. They believe and they tremble. You see, I would say that their belief is a lot more than some Christians. Because they tremble. They do something differently because of their belief. I always use this illustration. How do I know that I believe? Because it causes you to act and say and do and be different. I use the illustration. Let's say uh, me and you. We have an altercation. Me and you are talking junk to each other. You rear back. You about to let me have it. If I believe that you're about to let me have it, what am I going to do? I'm going to back up. I'm going to move. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be doing something different. If I don't believe you're going to do it, I'm going to stand here like this. Proud. Chest puffed out. Not worried a bit. You see, if you believe God, it causes you to be different. It causes you to act different. Even the demons believe that there is a God, one true God. Verse 20, he says, but do you want to know? He is asking the Jewish brethren here, do you want to know, oh foolish man? Do you even want to know that faith without works is dead? Or, or are you just okay with things the way that they are? Doing your church game. Coming in here, leaving, feeling good about yourself. And look at me. I went to church. I'm on the roll. Paid my tithes. Whoo! I'm not like they are. I come in here. Do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Again, as we're getting into 21, James is going to give us a couple more examples to prove his point. You see, like I said, James is simple. He knows that, I'm not going to put y'all in this, but he knows that I'm dumb. And I need it clear. That's why I keep giving these examples. To just reiterate the point. I need it super simple. He goes on, he says, verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? 
do you see that faith was working together with his works? It was working together. The works with true faith work together. Do you not see that when Abraham... Now, this is one of the craziest stories in the Bible. It's very easy, especially for an unbeliever or an atheist, to look at this story and say, what kind of God is that? He's the kind that will test your faith. Listen, church. He might be doing it right now. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works, faith was made perfect? Now I think we all would want to say that that if if God is going to describe our faith, perfect would be an adjective we would take, right? We would want our faith described as perfect, or it may be near perfect. In order for that to happen, faith produces works. I started to say you have to have both. But in reality, they're the same. They go together. Because faith without works is dead. It's not two different things. True, saving faith has works. Verse 23, And Scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham's in the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews. All throughout Scripture, Abraham was promised a lot of great things, and God is still fulfilling those promises to this man, Abraham. He blessed him. Now, was he a perfect man? No. No. But he had faith that brought about obedience to do stuff. And one example was, he went up there ready to sacrifice his son. And because of that, and because of that and all the other things, it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. 24. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Once again, it's not two things. It's the same. A man is justified by works, not by faith only, because they're the same. They have to be the same working for the same goal. Verse 25, we got two more verses. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works? When she received the messengers and sent them out another way. Now what did her faith look like? She was from a pagan nation. 
there's there's not a ton there in like early Rahab. Now she's just mentioned a few times. Uh, we know that she was a prostitute, so an immoral person. We can agree on that, right? How did she have faith? Because she heard that there was an army making their way up to where she was at. And in mighty ways, their God, they were defeating everybody in crazy ways. When, when human logic looks at how those battles were won, it doesn't make any sense. There has to be one true God helping this group of people. That in itself was enough for Rahab the harlot to have faith. And because of that faith, she said, there's something with these people and their God. And because of that faith, it caused her to when the spies came, the messengers came, she said, I'm going to help you. I'm going to commit treason. Because y'all serve the one true God. And I am going to help you guys. You see, her faith brought about her doing something. It changed her. She did something illogical because of it. She risked her and her family's life for it. Back then, if you did something wrong, they'd just kill your family. Like everybody. Man, woman, and child. Cousins on down the line. Your name was erased. And she risked that because her faith in a God she had never heard about, she just saw what God was doing, caused her to act differently. I want to compare real quick. Yeah, hey, we're doing good on time. Um, I want to compare real quick as we look at this. Abraham, father of many nations. Patriarch. He did a lot of great and mighty things through God. Well respected. Blessed beyond measure. Then you have Rahab. Different. They're on different sides. They're different in every way. Except for one. They had faith in the same God. And it caused them to act differently. And because of that... Now Rahab didn't have all the works... That Abraham did. She wasn't about to sacrifice. Well, I guess in a way she was sacrificing her family. But when you look at the list of what Abraham did and what, what Rahab did and how much they're mentioned in the Bible, it's night and day. But their faith was the same. And let me tell you something, church. When we get on that other side, there's going to be quite a few people that we're going to say, how did you get here? Because we look at things the wrong way. See, there's people around us that has faith. 
that may not look like us and may not do the things that we do. Their circumstances are different. But they have faith. And on the flip side, there's a lot of people that look like us and say and do and maybe even come in here from time to time or all the time that don't have faith. We leave that stuff up to God. Because honestly, let's just, let's just break it down. We worry about other people a lot and it's easy to worry about them. But we can't get this right ourselves. We can't get it right ourselves. It's a lot easier to say, look at them. Because we don't want to look in the mirror. Last verse for today. For as the body without the spirit is dead. We know that, that we're body. And then somewhere rolling around in this thing is a spirit that God put in there. And that's what makes us alive. Just as a body without spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. I'm going to read one more scripture. Let's just read the, the whole little section. It comes from Galatians 6, starting in verse 6. Going through 10, it says, Let him who has taught the word share in all good things in him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. That right there should strike fear in our hearts all on its own. That one verse. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh, for he who sows to his flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Listen up right here. Therefore, as we have opportunity, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, we talked last week, we alluded to that, that we need to look out for each other. Certainly. But as we have opportunity, church, we're to do good to all. Go back to the introduction. The world's messed up. There is an answer. There is a cure. There is a solution. And we are the keepers of it.
what are we going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? The band will go ahead and come up. That is the question that we're met with today. What are you going to do with it? God has blessed us all in certain ways. There are certain things that we can do that others can't do. There are certain ministries here in the church. I know in talking to Scott, there are, there are positions, there are needs that need to be filled. You come in here and say that you have the faith, Church, where are the works? Where is the proof of the faith? There's opportunities here that next week when Scott gets back, you can say, Scott, I need to show some works because I do have true faith. How can I help? And there's neighbors. Who is my neighbor? people that you come in contact with. It's people that live next door. When's the last time you actually talked to the people that live next door? Two houses down. Let's go way out of our box. Two houses down. To share the gospel. To invite them. To love them. To say, hey, how can I help you? Hey, I'm so-and-so from two houses down. If I can do anything to help you, I want to do it. And that takes people back. I had the opportunity just the other day, I said, you know what? I, I asked one of my neighbors, I said, do you believe the Bible? They looked at me. I said, the reason that I'm over here trying to help you out is because the Bible, God tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. So if there's anything I can do, I want to do it. Church, this world ain't getting any better if we just come hunker down in here on Sundays. Or if we stay at home on Sundays. Or if we don't ever open our mouth. We will say the right things in here and never open our mouth outside of these doors. That is why the world looks like it does. That is why the government looks like it does. And here we will say the right things and not do anything about it. And when we, when we get out there, we won't even say anything, much less do anything. Church, that is God's Word, I think. You act accordingly.